So the next time you're uh, watching TV and they have technical difficulties and somebody kind of laughs nervously and says, ha, 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 live TV, and you mock it, uh, I'll be a lot more patient about that uh, in, in the future. So uh, we've been looking at the book of Ezra over the last few weeks, but starting uh, today and next Sunday, uh, Palm Sunday and then uh, Easter Sunday, I want us to look at uh, John uh, chapter 11, the great story of uh uh, you know, Jesus raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. And so uh, what a, a, a great and important text for us. Uh, and so um, uh, especially this morning, I'm reminded of uh, how death uh, seems to reign often in this world. And so uh, we need a good word to hear how Jesus is Lord even over that. So let me pray. And then we'll read John 11 uh, verses 1 uh, to 27. Lord, thanks today for uh, loving us. Uh, Thanks for uh, uh, calling us to yourself. Thanks for the reminder that we have, even in a dark time like this, that you are for us and that you're with us. Pray that you would bless us as we read your word and as we uh, uh, think uh, through what you have for us in it uh, today. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So John chapter 11, verses 1 through 27. Um, text is right there uh, in the bulletin uh, for you. This is God's word. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, 
the Son of God who is coming into the world. So I guess it's a, a pretty crazy time, isn't it? A lot of disconnects, uh, literally and figuratively, in our world. Uh, one is we're in the midst of a beautiful spring. Uh, the weather's getting warmer. The flowers are blooming. The dogwoods are uh, uh, blooming. It's beautiful outside. And yet uh, there's a cloud over things, isn't there? Um, it's, a, it's a crazy and uh, difficult time. Um, and so I think it's, it's interesting as we look at this text today that we see how Jesus steps into the middle of a situation that is affected by death, that's affected by the fall, that's affected uh, directly by uh, sin in the world. And so this is uh, when he gets word that Lazarus is dead, we're going to see Jesus kind of had a, have a confrontation with death, not unlike uh, the confrontation that he had with uh, 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 the devil uh, there when he was in the wilderness at the beginning uh, of his ministry. But I want us to look a little bit today at kind of the human dynamic of what's going on here to put ourselves a little bit in the shoes of Mary and Martha and Lazarus as people who cry out to God in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a, uh, a health crisis, literally uh, a sickness, and uh, to figure out, you know, how that what Jesus does and says could apply in our lives. Now, I'm guessing that all of us. Uh, have felt forsaken at uh, one point or another in our lives, like when a friend uh, turns on us or when the longing of our heart uh, goes unfulfilled or when it seems that God is absent and unfeeling, or if you're like me, you know, you're more extreme, that you're perhaps tempted sometimes to think, you know, God, you must hate me, <laughs> right? Because uh, you're, this, is, this is the way uh, things are working out. And so I, one of the things that I think is profound about this story is we see sickness come to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. We see them know that the source of healing is Jesus himself. They're exactly right about that. And so they cry out to him. The mystery in this is and the thing that's hard for them to figure out as well as us is Jesus delays. He waits. Um. And you can just imagine what that must have been like for them. The weakness, particularly those sisters felt as they watched the life of their brother ebb away. So weakness these days, I think, is our constant companion, right? Um, now, some of it, some of you, I know I've talked with you are, are putting on a strong face and acting as if you don't care about this and, and, and that sort of thing. But uh, honestly, uh, the virus makes you feel weak, doesn't it? Yesterday, I uh, got up early to go for the old folks' hours at the grocery store. And uh, as I went, I was debating with myself as I'm driving over to the grocery store, should I wear a mask or not? Because uh, uh, I guess the CDC now says, yeah, if you want to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. So we had some old surgical masks around our house from old um, uh, construction projects that we'd done. So I got one and I put it on. Uh, felt really stupid, uh, uh, not just because it looks funny or, or whatever, but two things primarily. One is I'm very hard of hearing. And so when everybody around me is wearing a mask and I don't have the visual thing to be able to see their lips, I don't know what people are saying to me. So that was weird. Uh, but the other thing that struck me as really insane is I know that by putting the mask on, you're supposed to feel strong and protected. 
But honestly, I think, am I going to feel protected by this one sixteenth of an inch of fabric in front of my face that that's going to protect my life? And that's going to keep me alive no matter what. Now, maybe, you know, it, it, maybe it's a good thing and that's, that's important, but it sure does feel weak to me, not strong, to be entrusting myself to just a tiny piece of fabric over my face, uh, over my nose uh, and my mouth, right? So we have to come to grips with the fact during this time, just as, as Mary and Martha and Lazarus had to come to grips with, you know, we think of ourselves as strong, as able, as savvy, as smart, as on top of things. And, and no matter how smart we are or how savvy we are or how strong we are or how wealthy we are or how wise we are, we cannot keep ourselves alive. Right. And so uh, when you come to that realization, you're confronted with weakness in, in some pretty powerful ways. And so Mary, Martha and Lazarus are being confronted by their weakness. Lazarus is sick. They know it's serious and they do the right thing. They cry out to Jesus. And what does it mean that Jesus delays in coming? And so I think it's it's important for us to look at that because I'm certain many of us, you know, we've prayed, we've fasted, we've cried out to God, and yet the pandemic rages. Some, certainly some folks in other parts of the world and, and, and our country are suffering more than us, but we're all suffering. This this week I noticed a few days and panicked a little bit, a couple of days, thinking, well, I don't feel very good. <laughs> Not running a fever, don't have a cough, don't have tight chest, but I just don't feel very good. And I was trying to think, what, what is it? Why don't I feel good? Well, the reason why I don't feel good is because it feels like grief and stress, right? And it's ongoing. And frankly, you know, we, uh, we know that it will end. We just don't know when. So how are we to, to look at this text and how are we to apply this to our lives? Well, the, the question that John takes great pains to answer in this text is even as Jesus delays, even as Lazarus's life ebbs away, he wants his readers and he wants us to know that Jesus loves Mar- Mary, Martha and Lazarus. And you see that over and over in the text, right? The, uh, the word that comes to Jesus is, hey, Lord, the one you love is sick, right? Uh, and then in verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister uh, and, and Lazarus, right? Uh, and then Jesus himself even says, you know, our friend Lazarus, uh, you know, uh, has fallen asleep, right? So he identifies, it's very clear that Jesus has not just kind of a, 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 he has a redemptive love. He has an electing love. He has that, but he has a, a very personal love for them. Lazarus is his friend. Uh, Lazarus is somebody he, he knows, someone whose home he's been to, who's someone who he's hung out with. He's eaten meals together with. They, they've discussed things that, you know, that they, they are, uh, uh, they're friends. And so it's important for us to understand that Jesus has a very warm, personal love for Lazarus and Martha. And so one of the things that you have to think about that is then why when when Jesus is called to, when he receives the message, why doesn't he just drop everything and go? 
Well, he says the sickness is not unto death. And he delays precisely because he loves them, as he says to his disciples, so that they would see the glory of God and that they would believe. Right. So what are some things that we can take away from this? Well, one thing is this. uh, um, You should not doubt the love of Jesus when you suffer. Let me say that again. You should not doubt the love of Jesus when you suffer. Mary suffers. Martha suffers. Lazarus suffers. Even as they are loved dearly by Jesus Christ. Our suffering uh, does not uh, uh, prevent or indicate that we are loved less. uh, Or that uh, somehow or other uh, God is absent. He's very present and aware of our suffering. So so don't doubt the love of Jesus when you suffer, right? Secondly, the other thing to note about this is, is that no burden, no sickness uh, is or no question is too great or too small to bring to Jesus. You see, the the sisters are are uh, are are are. are in, in many ways, are very faithful in the fact that when trouble comes, they turn immediately to Jesus. When trouble comes, they cry out to him. They send him, hey, the one you love is sick. Come, come and heal him, right? And Jesus is going to come and he is going to respond, but he's going to do it in his timing. And he's going to do it in such a way that is what's best for them, right? It's a it's a pretty powerful thing for us. So what you see in Mary and Martha is, oh, no, we're in trouble. Let's cry out to Jesus. Uh, But then when Jesus does not respond, their faith begins to waver. And we see that in the way in which um, uh, uh, Martha uh, speaks to Jesus when uh, when he comes finally uh, to Bethany. Um. The other thing to note about this text is, too, you know, I think one of the things that we kind of, that should should be uh, kind of subtly indicated to us is we tend to identify ourselves often. And I think maybe Mary and, and, and Martha and Lazarus have this right as a corrective to us. We tend to identify ourselves as people who love Jesus. And that's good. But their primary identity, they don't go to Jesus and say, hey, we are the people who love you respond to us they're saying hey no jesus the one you love we are the people that you love we know that you love us the cross says to us that you love us would you respond and heal and do what we need you to do right so our identity is not first and foremost as someone who loves Jesus, although I, I, I hope and I pray and, and that, that, that that's true of us. But more than that, we are the people whom Jesus loves. Now, one of the things that's profound about this is, is that Jesus responds when the message comes by saying, hey, this sickness is not going to end in death. It does not lead to death. And just imagine when word got back to to Mary and Martha and Lazarus, hey, this sickness does not lead to death. Just imagine the joy and the relief that they they must have felt. And then uh, the crushing disappointment, too, as they watch Lazarus get sicker and sicker. And die. 
How is it then that Jesus can say that his delay is for the, the, the benefit of the disciples and for a display of the glory of God? Well, certainly we're going to see the glory of God next week when we celebrate Easter and we read the text where Jesus stands there in that cemetery and he calls to Lazarus and Lazarus walks out of his grave. But I think, too, we see the glory of God before that. We see it in Jesus standing there in that cemetery crying, weeping. Sad and grieving over the brokenness and the fallenness of the world and the effect that sin and death have, right? So one of the things that we, we see about that is there's something powerful about our God. Jesus, Jesus knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, and yet he is not untouched by the suffering of his friends. He is not untouched by the impact that death has on those whom he loves. He weeps over that, even as he knows he will reverse the effect of that once and for all, right? And so Jesus is loving Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, even as he is delaying in his coming so that they will see him as someone powerful and profound, right? Another thing for us to remember about this text is not only does Jesus love us when he delays in answering or in our suffering, but he also loves us even in death. And this is important for us to understand in a time like this. You know, the, the great promise of the gospel, the great promise uh, outlined to us in Romans 8 is that not even death itself can separate us from the love of God in Christ. We look at death as such a horrible, terrible thing, and it is that. But as we've already confessed today in our uh, confession of uh, faith, uh, what did we say about that? Our death does not pay the debt of our sins. Rather, it puts an end to our sinning. And is our entrance into eternal life. So even death itself, that great separator that we experience here, the, and we pray today for those who have lost those that they've loved uh, to death, does not, uh, you're never lost to the love of Christ, even if you die, right? And then lastly, I think one of the things that is profound about this is Jesus's interaction with Martha, right? Martha comes out and she greets him. And uh, she, the first thing that she says is, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we read that and we think, well, that's pretty good. She knows that Jesus has the, the power to heal and, and to keep, uh, keep Lazarus from dying. But there's also some limitations to Martha's view of Jesus, isn't it? If you'd been here, he would have, you, you could have healed him. Well, if Jesus is who he says he is. He doesn't have to be there to heal him, right? Uh, and so there's a, a sense in which she has some idea of who Jesus is, but even then her faith needs some filling in and there's some weakness to her faith. Does Martha's weak faith keep Jesus from loving her? No, he still loves her. He's still for her. He, he is still with her and he is still being compassionate in the way in which he interacts with her, the way he doesn't rebuke her, her poor faith. He simply says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Right? What a, what a great uh, word and a great picture of how Jesus deals with the weakest among us. 
those of us who are weak in faith uh, through because of our grief and because of the stress of uh, the life uh, that we are, are, are leading right now. So he, here's the thing. You know, just as Lazarus uh, uh, had uh, came to the end of his life, um, Jesus, too, and just a few days from this, will come to the end of his life as well, right? The good news for us today, my friends, is this, that in Jesus, your sins have an end. They will end. Uh, in Jesus, he has overcome that for us. One day, our quarantine, will uh, it will have an end, right? Uh, and one of the very soon, we will experience uh, the world after the epidemic. A lot of things are going to change. A lot of people will be changed. A lot of the way our economic prospects, our social prospects, we'll have to figure out a whole new way of living and going forward. But one thing will not have changed. And that is the love of Jesus Christ for his people. That will remain constant, steadfast. And just as we do today in the midst of the epidemic, as we will next year and the year after and five and 10 and 15 and 20 years after that, our hope will still be in this Jesus who loves us, who lived our, di- our, our uh, life, died our death, uh, and rose again. Uh, I don't know what we're gonna, uh, about to do here. I don't know if we're going to sing some songs or I don't know where we are in the middle of this. Um, I don't know if I'm even talking to anybody out there other than the people that are in the room. Uh, but uh, I will. Uh, are we going to do the confession of sin? What are we doing? Let's do that. Okay, let's do the, let's do the confession of sin. Boom. Oh, we are. Awesome. Touchdown. Hey, that's that's great. Uh, let me let me just say one thing real quickly. Uh, and I'm going to say this again before I say the benediction. So before before I lose you at, at the benediction, uh, several people have come to me over the last few days and weeks and said, I don't know what to do. In the midst of this. Um, and um, I, you know what? I don't know what to do either. So one of the things that I, I'm going to do. Uh, over the next uh, ever how many weeks we're doing this, and maybe this might be my new way of doing things. I'm going to, before I give the benediction, the same benediction that I've been giving for 26 years, I'm going to read to you every single week Romans 12, 12 through 13. Because as I've been trying to figure out what to do, uh, I figure the Bible might have something to say about that. <laughs> and so... Romans 12, 12 to 13 says this. If you want to know what to do this week, here's what to do. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. I, you know, I, I, as I said, I, as I try to figure out what to do, uh, whoo, that, that seems like a good thing, right? That seems like a good, a, a good list. So in light of that, let me lead us in the prayer of confession, uh, and, uh, then we'll, we'll sing a couple of songs. King of glory, you came to us as true peace in the midst of our warfare. 
as true freedom to release us from our bondage to sin, as true refuge while we languished in a chaos of our own design. Though we know Jesus as sovereign king, we have rebelled just as Israel did long ago. We have negotiated with the enemy by our secret sins and proud skepticism. We have betrayed our heavenly father in our daily refusal of peace, freedom, and life. For our treason, you died. For our restoration, you rose again. Draw us close to you in this week that our eyes may catch the vision of your tears and our hearts the wonder of your grace. these words of encouragement from Psalm 118. In my anguish, I cried to the Lord and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. 